Thank you very much for the nice introduction, uh, Dr. Kumas, and uh, thank you all of you for coming to my talk. Uh, as he, uh, Dr. Kumas introduced, I'm the director of the Center for the Study of Stratification and Inequality uh, in Sendai, and I conducted a large-scale survey in Japan, uh, not only in Japan, but also in Korea and Taiwan um, in 2005, uh, which is uh, f focusing on uh, social stratification and social mobility. So let me give you some uh, results of the project to show you the, what's going on here in Japan in terms of social stratification, uh, social mobility, and inequality. The title of my talk is this, um, Stability and the Fluidization of the social stratification system in contemporary Japan. As Dr. Kuruma talked about, we have seen a lot of homeless and some people uh, living on the street or in the park. But uh, I would say it's uh, just a part of social stratification in Japan. We, we, we missed the upper part of the stratification and the mass media hasn't uh, uh, reported because they don't, it wouldn't attract the audience. If they broadcast homeless people, many Japanese have sympathy about it. But if we look at, if they deport upper class people still under the protection of the, some protective institutions in Japan, Japanese wouldn't care about it. So uh, mass media often uh, broadcast uh, lower people, I mean uh, people in the lower class or homeless or unstable workers but we shouldn't miss the upper part of the stratification system in Japan. So I tried to give you the whole picture of the contemporary uh, Japanese stratification system. So when I started the project, uh, there were two debates which seemingly contradictory on social stratification and inequality in contemporary Japan. The first one is here. You. That, that is uh, st uh, stabilization or immo immobilization or bifurcation. You may have read the book by Toshiki Sato. Uh, the title of the book is Unequal Society, Japan, Fubyodo uh, Shakai in Japan. And uh, he argued that uh, there's an increase in intergenerational mob immobility of professionals and managers in terms of in terms of intergenerational mobility which means if you comp so uh, specialists in social mobility often make a table which is called a mobility table so comparing the i mean the check the association of uh, fathers occupations and uh, children's occupations so if you look at the association of professionals, then you see a strong association between fathers and sons. So if your fathers are professionals, chances are you get a job in professional occupations. However, the, the, the strength of association has, has declined from uh, since 1955 down to 1995. However, Toshiki Sato pointed out increase in the strength of association in 1995. So he wrote a book on this immobility, intergenerational immobility of professionals and managers. 
In addition to that,、uh, Toshiki Tachibanaki, Toshiaki Tachibanaki,、uh, a former professor of economics at Kyoto University, also published a very、uh, well known book.、Uh, it's called、uh, Keizai Kaksa or something,、uh, published in, in, by the Iwanami Shoten, a very small book, but、uh, it m a k e a big hit. And he argued that Japan has entered a、uh, phase of increasing inequality of income. And we should, care, we should be careful about the difference between them. Toshiki Sato, a sociologist,、uh, points out increase in inequality of opportunities. So, to, to getting a job is a kind of opportunity. However, to,、uh, Professor Tachibanaki talks about inequality of、um, results. So, income is a result of.、Uh, Social, social and economic activities. So, sociologists are more interested in、uh, inequality of opportunities, while economists are interested in、uh, inequality of、uh, results. So, anyway, apart from such a difference, both of them pointed out、uh, increasing inequality in Japan in terms of uh, uh, intergenerational mobility or、um, Inequality of income. So it's, I would summarize them in the argument of stabilization, immobilization, and the bifurcation. On the other hand, some people pointed out、uh, fluidization or flexibilization in the labor market in Japan. Yuji Genda also published a very famous,、uh, well sold book on、uh, unsta instability. Of the young workers in Japan. So he argued that there was a sharp increase in young non regular workers.、Uh, this, when he published the book, there was a debate about who is the victim of the unstable labor market in Japan. And mass media reported that middle aged men were the big victim. Of the、uh, layoff. However, in reality, Yuji Genda pointed out it's young workers who are the victim of the、uh, declining labor market. So, middle aged men were protected under the umbrella of the long term employment practice in Japan, while to keep them in the, under the umbrella, they,、uh, the Japanese companies、uh, reduced the new job openings. For young people. So, young people ended up as non regular workers, say working at convenience stores or part time jobs. So, this is an example of fluidization in the labor market in Japan. In addition to that, Yeke Handa,、uh, who is also a famous sociologist of education,、uh, pointed out weakening implicit contact between schools and farms. So,、uh, Honda's、uh, supervisor, former supervisor, academic supervisor,、um, Take Kariya,、uh, wrote a nice book on this、uh, implicit contact. In Japan,、uh, especially high schools,、uh, vocational high schools, have established a long term relationship with local farms. So they send their graduates to such、uh, local farms. In return, local farms uh, uh, accept. 
uh, students from the schools every year, even though uh, they suffer from some recessions. However, uh, because of the prolonged recession and the globalization, uh, such, uh, such local farms were not able to maintain such implicit uh, contracts. So uh, Yuki Honda pointed out such contact uh, had become weaker and weaker. So this is uh, another example of the fluidization in the labor market in Japan. So both of them point out uh, how unstable uh, young Japanese workers were. So you see some stabilization here and the fluidization here. So when I set up the studied the, my project, I wanted to have a theoretical argument with which I can understand these two contradictory arguments in a coherent way. So this is the question I raised. How can we consistently understand the two discourses which, uh, which seem to be contradictory? So uh, I would say here, social stratification matters. What I mean is that some classes are still under the umbrella of productive institutions in the labor market, such as, as I mentioned, the long-term employment practice and the seniority-based wage system, while other classes are involved in the turmoil of the fluid uh, labor market or flexible labor market as part-time workers or dispatched workers. So, the image of my answer to the question is this. Here, still you see a solid social stratification in Japan, while we are now a lot of uh, anecdotes about people in the lower strata. I mean, homeless people, uh, non-regular workers, uh, transient workers, and so on. So, as I said in the beginning of my talk, mass media often report people in this area. But we shouldn't forget people in this part of the stratification. Still, so if you look at, say, bureaucrats in the Japanese government, they are still protected under the umbrella of the long-term employment practice. So if we rely on information dispatched just by mass media, we miss this part of social stratification in Japan. Then, uh, as I said, I conducted a large-scale social survey on uh, social stratification and social mobility in, in 2005 with my colleagues. And uh, today, I'm going to report some findings based on this uh, survey. Uh, we actually made a 15 volume series of report, and uh, they are reported to the Ministry of Education and Science in Japan, who funded uh, the survey. And uh, we are now preparing for publishing books for uh, general audience. So you will see the publication in in a few years. So I today tonight I, I'm going to focus on uh, four areas: uh, education the youth labor market, 
intergenerational mobility or job training, or you could say uh, career development and income inequality. So I, I'm going to show you some results, research, analytical results of uh, the survey in these four areas. So first, let me talk about education. As I said, uh, Yuki Honda pointed out the deterioration or weakening of the implicit contact between schools and farms. However, still some schools maintain such uh, implicit contact and send excellent students to local farms. And uh, Mary Brinton of Harvard University, who is also a member of the uh, project, uh, pointed out this uh, finding. Those who got the job through the contact, I mean the implicit contact, are more likely to get it within a month after graduation and to get regular employment than those who used uh, job advertisement, say, in the newspaper or something. So still, if you compare two high schoolers, one got the job through the implicit contact, one got the job through the uh, job advertisement, then uh, the former high schooler is protected under the, some um, protective institutions, such as the implicit contact. So the former high schooler is more likely to get job within a month after graduation, and uh, he or she is more likely to get a regular job. So you, if you look at the uh, young, uh, I, I'm sorry, the youth labor market in Japan, you see many uh, young Japanese cannot get jobs, regular jobs, and cannot get jobs uh, after one month. Maybe they spend uh, six months or a year to get jobs. However, if you have a chance to use this implicit contract, chances are you get a nice job, regular job, just upon graduation. So this means there's a widening gap between graduates using the contact and graduates who can't use them. So maybe um, based on the career's analysis, high schools carefully stratify their students based on their academic performance and uh, how they behaved well or not. Then uh, uh, high schools recommend top-class students to local farms. So top-class top students can enjoy this implicit contact while a mediocre students can't. So they end up at uh, uh, part-time jobs at convenience stores or some uh, some somewhere as a, um, with a low job security. So there's a gap between uh, high schoolers who could use implicit contact and uh, high schoolers who can't. Then uh, let's look at the uh, current situation of the long-term employment practice, Shushin Koyo in Japanese. So. First of all, let me give you a brief sketch of the Japanese uh, long-term employment practice. Japan used to be famous for the practice, but uh, it's just a myth. Not all the Japanese workers were not protected under this system. Only male workers working for large companies were protected. 
in this system. But the workers working for small or middle-sized firm, and especially female workers, are outside of the system. However, uh, the, the system was so attractive among Japanese workers, um, somehow the system is a, became a kind of dream of uh, many workers in Japan. So Japan became, uh, uh, became famous for this uh, employment practice. However, some uh, social scientists, especially economists, uh, have pointed out uh, the weakening of the system because of the Japan's increasing exposure to globalization and uh, neoliberal policies. So many Japanese firms cannot afford to maintain uh, this practice. However, if you look carefully at the system, you see some class differences. Some people are still protected uh, by this system, while other people are put in the turmoil in the labor market, free to labor market. So here, uh, I want to show you the result done by uh, Nakazawa, uh, associate professor of uh, Toyo University. So he studied the stability of the long-term employment practice. So he did, oh, I'm sorry. He did some uh, statistical analysis. Uh, and the, 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 the method is so, what should I say, sophisticated that uh, I don't have time to tell you the details of his analysis, but uh, let me give you two graphs here. So here he compared uh, how long, how long, suppose, suppose you get a job at a firm or the public sector, and uh, he measured how long you stayed in the same job. So suppose uh, some people stay in the same firm for five years, some people stay there for 10 years, but some people quit the job just one, after one year. So then uh, he compared the sizes of the firm, small, middle-sized, large firms, and public sector. And the, the vertical axis is a kind of probability to stay in the same firm. So the, the middle firm is the reference point. And if you look at the, this graph for male workers, you see the big value here at the private sector and the large, sec large company. This means male workers in the public sector and working for the large firm are more likely to stay in the same job than middle uh, than workers working for middle-sized uh, companies and small-sized companies. This means still we have uh, stable long-term employment practice in large firms and uh, public sector. But if you work for the small firms and middle-sized firms, chances are you quit faster than those uh, who work for the large firms and uh, in the public sector. And you see the similar pattern here for female workers, but you see another segregation, gender segregation. So female, even if uh, female workers working in the public sector are more likely to quit faster 
than their male counterparts. So still, you see two effects here. One is the uh, farm side effect on the long-term employment practice. The second one is the gender effect on the long-term employment practice. So you see still male workers working in the public sector and the large firms are protected by the long-term employment practice. Then here, he did another interesting analysis focusing just on workers in the public sector. And he divided the workers by the um, entry cohort. This means when this means when they entered the public sector, they when they get the first job in uh, uh, ministries or the uh, city halls or uh, public jobs, then uh, he compared four cohort who got the job before um, 1963 between 1964, 75, uh, 73, 74 to. Um, 91 and after 1992. Then the, after 1992 is the reference point. Then you see the declining pattern here. This means younger cohorts, I mean uh, workers in the public se sector who enter the sector recently are more likely to stick to the sector. So they wouldn't change jobs compared to older cohorts. So this means younger workers who got the first job in the public sector stick to the long-term employment practice than older uh, workers in the public sector. This means, uh, this, my, my interpretation of this result is that because the Japanese labor market is terrible now, once you leave the public sector, chances are you get a job as a part-time worker or transient worker. So they have no choice but to stay in the public sector. So, but uh, as you see here, if you stay in the public sector, you are safe. You are protected by the long-term employment practice. So they have no choice but to stay in the public sector uh, as long as they want to have a stable job. So this is the one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is here. You see a gap between the young workers and the LTE stands for the long-term employment practice. So the, you see a gap or inequality between the young workers and the uh, long-term employment practice and young workers in unstable employment. So once you get a job in public in the public sector, it's okay. But uh, as you may know, it's important, I, uh, not important, but fast jobs have a very strong effect on your career development in Japan. So once you fail to get a stable job as a fast job, it's very difficult to get a stable job uh, afterward. So in Japan, uh, so you may have heard about it, but mass media often reported that it's once you cannot get a uh, regular job uh, as your first job, it's very difficult to get into the uh, core of the labor market. 
I mean the regular jobs. You 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 circulate in the in the periphery of the labor market as transient workers or part-time workers. So it's very important to get the regular job as the first job in Japan. So once you get the first job in the public sector, it's okay. But uh, as you know, now the the number of regular jobs for the first jobs has been shrinking. So many young workers cannot get regular jobs. They end up uh, part-time workers. So you see some gap, widening gap between the uh, young workers and the umbrella of the long-term employment practice and the young workers in the unstable employment. In addition to that, uh, many findings in the study of stratification and inequality point out here. Well-educated workers are more likely to enter large firms and the public sector than less educated workers. So here again, we have some um, discriminatory, discriminatory effect of education on employment. So my speculation is this, that the widening inequality between young, well-educated workers and less educated workers in terms of uh, long-term employment practice and uh, job security. So, as I said, mass media often reports and, uh, these people, less educated people, uh, who, who can't get regular jobs, so they uh, they become part-time workers or dispatched workers, and they are fired, and they lose, uh, they lost their uh, housing, and so on. However, there are other classes of young workers who enjoy a stable uh, job security. Here again, I pointed out that the differential entry to the long-term employment practice by education, and education still matters for these uh, points. First one, uh, as Mary Brinta and Hirata uh, pointed out, well-educated people are more likely to enter uh, regular employment, or, uh, as I said, uh, high schoolers, uh, not only high schoolers, but anyway, graduate who, who could use the implicit contact between schools and firms uh, are more likely to get uh, regular employment at, f at their first jobs. And Hirata also pointed out the influence of the prolonged prolonged recession in Japan have a differential effect on young people. So if you are well educated, the impact is not so severe. However, uh, if you are less educated, you are involved, you are uh, involved in the turmoil of the labor market because of, caused by the prolonged recession. So you see some education difference here. And uh, Iwai, Shiro Iwai of Kyoto University also points out a very interesting finding on the early, early career of young female workers. Let me show uh, his result. So here, the vertical axis is, I'm sorry for this messy uh, character, but this shows a percentage of regular and non-regular workers by education. So this is the percentage of 
regular workers and the non-regular workers by education and birth cohort. So this cohort is the youngest cohort. They are born between 1975 and 1979. And he compared uh, these birth cohorts and by education. For example, here, this is the percentage of regular workers of college graduates here. You see an increase here, but uh, you see some decrease here. Then, you, if you compare these three lines, you see the difference by education. This is, uh, as I pointed out, the percentage of regular workers of college graduates, and this is uh, uh, of uh, junior college graduate, and this is of high school graduate. Then you see some decline here. However, if you look at non-regular workers, I mean part-time workers, transient workers, and dispatched workers, and uh, you see the trend by education, then uh, here, if you look at this, maybe brown or red, maroon, maroon line, maybe brown. So this is the percentage of non-regular workers, high schoolers, high school graduates. And this light blue line is for uh, non percentage of non-regular workers and junior college graduates. Then you see an increase here for younger cohort. However, you see a decline in the percentage of non-regular workers of college graduates. So if you look at this part, I mean, if you look at the youngest cohort, you see an educational inequality here. If you graduate from colleges, uh, chances are you can get a regular job. However, uh, high school graduates and the junior college graduates uh, face some increasing difficulties in getting regular jobs. So they end up as non-regular workers here. So before, you don't see such educational inequality, but the if you look at the youngest cohort, you see the increasing education inequality between college and high school and junior college. So the bottom line is here. We see increasing non-regular employment and the fluidization of employment in the youth labor market uh, observed in a particular area of the market. That is, less educated workers in the periphery of the market. I mean, in the periphery is that non-regular uh, uh, non workers, um, I mean uh, part-time workers, transient workers, and uh, dispatched workers. As I pointed out, oh, I didn't point it out. As you know, not only Japan, but uh, in many advanced societies, you see the dual structure in the labor market, the core and the periphery in the labor market. And the, the core is dominated by regular workers uh, with uh, high job security. But in the periphery, you see a lot of non-regular workers, part-time, transient, and uh, dispatched workers. So here, as I said, uh, mass media had pointed out uh, a lot of uh, anecdotes on uh, increase in non-regular workers. However, it, it's uh, just a part of the story. The whole story is this. You see some well-educated people 
who are protected by the long-term employment practice, and they have regular employment, and they have uh, high job security. Meanwhile, you see some people, less educated workers, young workers, who can't get regular jobs. So they have to do some part-time jobs. So you see the widening gap between well-educated young people and less educated young people in Japan. Then let's move on to the job changing or intergenerational mobility or career development. So here, again, let's look at the long-term employment practice in Japan. As I pointed out, many social scientists uh, have pointed out uh, declining in the practice. That's true, that's true, but you see some difference between large firms and small firms. A member of our project, Inada, uh, did a good job of pointing it out. So he argues there's a heterogeneous change in the long-term employment practice. That is, in general, as I said, the percentage of workers under the long-term employment practice has been declining, decreasing. However, so in the general picture, suppose this is the timeline, and this is the percentage of workers in the, under the umbrella. So in general, you see some declining in the percentage of workers in the long-term employment practice. However, the declining speed are different for large farms and small farms. So the decreasing rate in large farms is lower than that, uh, oh, I'm sorry, this is a typo, than that in the small and middle-sized farms. So the percentage is shrinking faster in small and middle-sized farms, while still many workers in the large farms are protected by the practice. Then uh, uh, another point is that uh, the segregation against non-regular workers and the female workers. And Hirata points out that non-regular workers and the female workers tend to leave their first job earlier than regular workers and male workers, which is quite um, common or obvious in the labor market in Japan, but Hirata reconfirmed uh, this fact again in, 19, uh, in 2005. Then here again, uh, education comes into the picture. Uh, my grad student, Hayashi, uh, calculated the differential influence of education on decrease in income associated with changing job. This means uh, we, we ask the respondents the change in the income whenever they change jobs. Of course, they, they can't record the exact amount of income. So I, we asked, um, did your income increase, decreased, or didn't change when you change the job? So the respondent chose one of the alternatives. And the Hayashi uh, checked uh, the responding pattern uh, here. So, and the, he compared um, junior high graduates and, uh, high, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 
junior college graduates and the college graduates. The pink line is for uh, higher educated, well-educated people, and compared high school graduate and the junior high graduate. And this, I'm sorry for this messy characters, but this these uh, timings of job change. When when respondents change jobs, uh, this is uh, between the 1956 to 72 when Japan enjoyed high economic growth period. Then uh, now from 1973 to 86, uh, Japan had a low economic growth, and uh, 1987 to 90, when Japan entered the bubble economy. Then here, uh, from 1991 to 2005, when Japan entered the recession, then you see the, this is the percentage percentage of respondents who said uh, their income, their wage declined when they, when they changed jobs. Then you see, before, the, before this period, you see the uh, well-educated people said uh, that the percentage of well-educated people who said uh, their income decreased is larger, higher than uh, those of uh, high school and junior high graduate, but these differences are not statistically significant. So, substantially, there is no difference here. But here, you see uh, less educated people experience a decrease in their income when they change jobs, and this difference is statistically significant. So, in the recession period, you see the widening inequality, educational inequality, when uh, people change jobs. Less educated people suffer the decline in their income when they change job during the recession. So wha then uh, what, what should less educated people do? So I mean, uh, well-educated people can survive the labor market because of uh, with, with their diploma, um, bachelor's degree, master's degree, or PhD. Then what should less educated people do without such diplomas? Then uh, they rely on credentials, especially occupational credentials, such as the license. Uh, for you see, especially women, you see an increasing number of women who want to get license for cares, especially care of elderly citizens. So you need some license to do such jobs. So now I'm not sure if this is the case. I mean, uh, I, I don't have any hard, hard evidence that uh, credentials work in the labor market, but uh, let's educate people somehow rely on such uh, credentials because they believe such credentials, with such credentials, they can survive in the labor market. So here, Arata argues that less educated workers tend to utilize occupational credentials with which to survive in the labor market. Here again, we see some educational inequality or educational stratification matters.
Finally, let, let me talk about some income inequality. First of all, if you compare uh, uh, income by education, uh, I'm sorry, by occupation, you see an increasing gap between professionals and uh, uh, people in other occupations. So I myself uh, did some analysis and uh, a colleague of mine, uh, Nagamatsu, also did uh, similar analysis. And this pattern is confirmed, has been confirmed, not only in Japan, but also in advanced societies. So you see an increasing gap between professionals and other jobs in terms of income. However, I I'm surprised to see when I to see a decreasing gap in income between regular workers and in uh, non-regular workers in Japan. Uh, I I did some analysis uh, about that and I compared the data uh, between 1995 and 2005. Then the gap between the uh, gap in income between regular workers and non-regular workers has slightly decreased over the decade. So there are two, two possible interpretations. One is that uh, the condition, economic condition of non-regular workers uh, has been improved for the decade. The other interpretation is that the working condition and the economic condition of regular workers has become worse. I am prone to support the second interpretation. So. I mean, uh, non-regular workers' conditions have not been improved, while regular workers' conditions have become worse, in terms, especially in terms of uh, income. To be honest, uh, my salary hasn't increased for three years. <laughs> so even, uh, as you know, I'm a regular worker at Tokyo University, but uh, my salary has been stuck at the same level for three years. So I would say that the situation of regular workers has become worse and worse. And uh, another point is that uh, mass media often report the chain of poverty. So it's a very important point, not only uh, socially, but also academically. So sociologists often focus on the uh, intergenerational mobility of occupations. As I said, we are interested in the occupation of uh, children of professionals, occupation of children of blue-collar workers, and so on. Uh, we didn't focus on uh, income mobility because it's very difficult to measure the parent's income. Suppose I ask you uh, how much money did your father or did your mother make you may not remember, or your mothers and your fathers wouldn't tell you about that. So it's very difficult to measure the parent income. But uh, mass media easily report that there's occurring the uh, poverty, chain of poverty over generation. However, uh, from a scientific viewpoint, it's very difficult to measure such income in mobility. But recently, some uh, methodological innovation occurred, so we can estimate parent income based on uh, respondents' uh, answers. So 
Takashi Yoshida and I did some uh, analysis of income uh, mobility over generation. Then we see there are two strong associations of income. So we, first of all, we divide the respondent into four uh, income categories, the highest, highest, the third highest, lowest, uh, the second low, and the lowest. Then uh, we made a matrix of the income uh, mobility. Then we see in a strong association of wealthy families. So if you were born to a wealthy family, chances are you become very rich. And uh, mass media often talks about the uh, association of the lowest people. If you are born to the poorest family, chances are you become the poorest. However, the, the strength of, of association is stronger in the wealthiest family. Of course, we see some uh, chain of poverty, but uh, in Japan, we see more of uh, chain of wealth. Not chain, of course, as I said, we see some chain of poverty, but we see more the chain of wealth in Japan. So wealthy families are protected from the turmoil uh, of the Japanese economy. So here again, we see on the, on the one side, we see increasing inequality and, and uh, stability. So my conclusion is here. In Japan, we are facing the coexistence of stability and fluidization, or you could say flexibilization. So I, I showed you many pieces of evidence that supports uh, my argument, but it, they are just descriptions of uh, what's going on in Japan. We need a theory to explain it. So there are pos some possibilities. Why that, um, uh, as I pointed out, there's an income gap, increasing income gap between professionals and other occupations. And uh, some economists and sociologists uh, say this is because skill-biased technological change. I mean, you see a lot of advancement of uh, information technologies, computers, internet, and so on. So many companies uh, need uh, very skilled white-collar workers with such knowledge. So they pay more uh, to such people. So naturally, the income gap between such professionals and other occupations, uh, people in other occupations, becomes wider. In addition to that, Nagama points out that uh, those skilled workers income has been stagnated. So they, they, they can't, they haven't enjoyed uh, increase in their income. So you see the gap between the professionals and the unskilled workers. So wage of unskilled workers has been stagnated. However, salary of professionals in IT industry has become higher and higher. So naturally you see a widening gap between them. So this is a market-based explanation. And the sociologists, some sociologists don't like it because they assume there's some structure, some institution in the labor market. So uh, David Grasky of Stanford and his colleagues argued that uh, 
argues the theory of rent. Rent is a gap between the actual income wage and the market wage. For example, um, if you look at the taxi driver, now thanks to the regulation, their income becomes lower and lower. Before, uh, especially before the Coism cabinet, taxi drivers enjoyed uh, higher income than the market average because they are protected. They need, you need some uh, certificate and a license to become a taxi driver or set up a taxi company. Then uh, you can enjoy a gap between the average market income and the actual income. So the gap is called rent. So David Grosky argued that now we see some creation of rent in the upper area of the stratification system. So for example, you see the CEOs of uh, large companies in the states. So now many financial companies uh, are going bankrupt in the states. However, CEOs get a hefty retained money bunch of money which cannot be gotten, couldn't be gotten in the market. So they're enjoying a big rent. So David Grosky argues that s some people, I mean, not people, some in some classes, upper classes, you see the creation of new rent. So they are protected from the uh, market. However, like taxi drivers I mentioned, um, their rents are weakening or deteriorating or broken down. So still, some people enjoy high rents, especially people in the upper classes. However, people at lower classes cannot enjoy rent, which they used to enjoy any longer. So this kind of uh, social mechanism may be causing the coexistence co of stability and the fluidization. Thank you very much.